Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everyone. I am Luke Carruthers and welcome back to Escaping Through the Lens. And yes, if the Godzilla roar didn't uh, didn't give you an idea of what we're talking about already, we're talking about the Godzilla films. Uh, but uh, in order to talk about these, I've invited back my good friend slash Godzilla enthusiast, Ray Blakely. Say hello. Hello, hello again. <laughs> and yeah, we're here to discuss uh, both Godzilla films, even though I feel like there's definitely more that we'll say about the second one than the first one. Speaking of which, uh, we'll just get uh, like general uh, thoughts about the first one. Over, so I'll, I'll start off. I thought the film was uh, great. Uh, the best scenes, I feel like, in this film uh, include Godzilla, which, given that there is actually very little Godzilla in this film, uh, that means the rest of the film, I think, was good, if a bit slow. I liked it. I feel like the lack of Godzilla kind of made the build-up to this to, to the next movie a lot more intense because we only got to see little snippets of him and you didn't get to see like full fights and proper like, fleshed out scenes with him in full action i think it made it a lot more interesting to see oh what is he capable of what are we going to see next yeah i, 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 I can see it as that if, if, if you look at this as a sort of like beta test you know like the uh, like the film company, you know, trying to like master like the works of uh, you know Godzilla. Then, the 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 I think this film is like overall uh, kind of uh, kind of solid. If if that's what it's to be looked at as a sort of like beta test. Yeah, and as a solid monster movie, it comes across really well. You get all the action, you get Godzilla, you get everything basically you pay to see it for. You get all that, and I feel like it is a well-rounded, solid movie. Yeah, I will say though, because a lot of the action moments uh, come from uh, sort of the human's perspective, uh, sort of like very down below, just like a lot of things going wrong. It feels because I'm, I'm going to see if I can put this correctly. Because uh, Godzilla and the Mutos are shrouded in sort of nighttime darkness quite a lot, uh, you don't really sort of uh, see them that clearly. So. The, the catastrophes that happen around them feel less like a monster movie and more like a disaster movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. And I have kind of like a sort of like bad history when it comes to like watching uh, 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 disaster films because I've because uh, I've seen both The Day After Tomorrow and 2012 and they, they just weren't that good. <laughs> I, I really enjoy The Day After Tomorrow. I think it's a wonderful movie. I've never seen 2012 but I don't really have high expectations for that movie. I've seen the trailers and stuff, but um, yeah, Day After Tomorrow, I think, is really good. It's, it's been years since I've seen it, but I don't remember like being that, that engaged uh, like with uh, like what was going on. Yeah. Uh, another thing that uh, this film does is it's very, it's very science-y. Mm, yeah. I feel like that does then add to the build-up because you kind of get to see the background to a lot of why yeah. these creatures exist and why everything that's happening is happening. Yeah, like yeah they, give, of... they give like scientific uh, explanations as to like why these uh, creatures are like the way they are. And who else do you bring in than uh, the guy who played uh, Walter White in Breaking Bad, uh, Brian Cranston? <laughs> yeah, I mean it fits. So fair choice. Yeah, Shamey died in the like for, in the first like twenty minutes of the film though. Yeah, that was a bit unfortunate. <laughs> Poor lad. <laughs> yeah, it's like you were expect. It's like I was. I was expecting to see like a lot more of it, but then when you, he like died in the first twenty minutes, I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, he got his paycheck, so you know, a big yeah. name was a big movie for a little amount of time. You know, he was happy yeah. enough. Yeah, he got his paycheck, and uh, people are still watching uh, Breaking Bad. I still haven't seen it. Oh, neither have I. I'm just wondering if the hype is worth it because it's really long, so I don't know if I can be bothered. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Uh, thinking about uh, anything else that this film does, uh, the two main, I want to say main leads, I mean, one of them definitely has more of a lead over the other, uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen. My thoughts on them? Um, yeah. I quite enjoyed them as characters. I think they were interesting, they were decently fleshed out. Um, from what I remember, they did a lot, which... 
is saying something for monster movies where the main characters usually just don't do a lot. They kind of just sit back and then get scared when the big monsters show up. So, yeah, I think they were interesting to watch. They were decent leads. They had, like, realistic reactions to things and what they did was justified. So you kind of felt like, yeah, this is a decent portrayal of what someone would do in that situation. I I quite like them. I wasn't emotionally invested in them, but I was invested enough uh, for them uh, uh, to to want to, to want to see them, you know, survive all that was going on. Yeah, I think at the end you kind of did care about them. You cared about what happened to them. Yeah, I, I kind of find that in myself watching it. Even if it is kind of weird that in this film uh, they play lovers, when in their uh, their next film together, Age of Ultron, they play siblings. Oh yeah. That it's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, at, at least they have like experience, uh, you know, in uh, on camera together. Yeah, true. It's, 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 it's just for the next film, they just got to be a little less close. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely the buildup of chemistry was there, but it's a bit weird looking back now. <laughs> definitely, yeah. I mean, then again, not many people I remember like that Aaron Taylor Johnson was in like Age of Ultron, considering that you know Quicksilver, you know, died in his first film. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame because I feel like he gave like an underrated performance in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, last note uh, I want to I want to say before we move on to uh, King of the Monsters, uh, this film was directed by uh, Gareth Edwards. He was the same guy who directed Rogue One. All right. Oh, I didn't know that. And I didn't like Rogue One. So I feel like he definitely made a better movie when he made the Godzilla movie. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of Rogue One at all. I don't, there's so much of it I can't stand. It's just, I think it's a terrible movie. So to hear him, to hear that he made the Godzilla movie, it's like, oh, he actually can make good movies. Surprising. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought Rogue One was okay. I I have a mad complex about the Star Wars movies, and I think Rogue One is just a massive stain on the franchise. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> like this is not the first I've heard of it because uh, because everyone else that I've heard talk about the film either like praises the heck out of it or just thinks it's okay. Mm. Oh no, I have strong opinions on that movie. Mm. The last three but... minutes with Darth Vader are pretty cool. I think. Yeah, I liked that. I liked whenever they tried to make Leia in the movie, but they had to use all the kind of like facial reconstruction and different stuff to kind of make her look realistic. I quite like that. But that's one of the only points that I actually liked in the movie. Yeah, the uh, yeah the uh, the CGI uh, like motion capture uh, with like they did with Princess Leia and Grand Moff Tarkin. I could admit was like pretty cool. Even if when you look at it right now, you can't look at it without hearing the PlayStation Two boot up sound. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like we've uh, said everything we need to say about the first one. Let's let's talk about King of the Monsters. Yes! Getting on <laughs> to good stuff. Here we go. So um, I'll let you start this time. Oh, I adore this movie. It's just so good. Like, oh, I would just... Anyone that hasn't seen this movie needs to go and watch it. I would tell anyone to watch this movie. It is one of my favourite movies. It's just so good. As a really good action-packed monster movie, it's epic. And as a good story with deep characters, deep relationships with each other, and you actually come out of it caring about the characters, I think it's just all around perfect. I do not have... I don't think I have a single bad note on this film. On this film, I think it is perfect. All right, and that's where we're going to leave it for today. Before <laughs> <laughs> no, I start ranting on how amazing this movie is. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I'll give uh, my thoughts on it. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, going into this, having uh, like recently watched like the 2014 film, I expected it to, you know, be great, but. My expectations were kind of middling, considering you know how I thought like the 2014 one was good if a bit slow. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I I was incredibly blown away by this film. It is, it, it is, it is. The, I I think we we can easily put it as the Godzilla film. Oh yeah, definitely. This is 
that just explains everything that Godzilla needs to be. It's I think they did him to a T. It is perfect. Yeah, because like, uh, like no, like disrespect, like towards like the older like films, because I'm pretty sure they were what you know built up his reputation, you know, in the first place. Unless we're talking about, I don't know, maybe like the 1998 one. Yeah. <laughs> but no, this like that, uh, like like this is. If, if anyone was to like, ask me like what what I would say is like the Godzilla film, then mm-hmm. I'd, I'd definitely say this one. Definitely. I also feel like from the last episode we did, we talked about Kong. I whenever I went back to rewatch this movie, I spent the whole time enjoying it as I did the first time, but also just comparing it to Kong and watching it and comparing it to the, to that last movie. I just feel like Kong did not live up to it at all. Like that was just not not good. You, you I... can't compare them. Godzilla is just in a different league. I, 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 I could kind of uh, see where you're coming from from there. Like, I, I, I think like compared to like School Island, obviously, you know, the the stakes are a lot higher than uh, than that one. Yeah. So, 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 there's definitely much more of like a grander sort of scale to it. But I still think that Kong Skull Island uh, like holds up like on its own. Obviously, obviously, you know, like compared to. Like, uh, like Godzilla, it probably isn't, you know, that great. Yeah. But that's like comparing, I don't know, that's like comparing like a digestive biscuit to like a chocolate ghetto. Oh, yeah, that definitely describes it. <laughs> oh, I think Kong was more of like a rich tea biscuit where it was bland and steel. <laughs> but it's more like a rich tea that's been left in the back of a cupboard for a while that no one wants to touch. Yeah, Godzilla's like the fancy cakes you only bring out when people are around and your mum tells you not to eat them. That's what Godzilla is. Meanwhile, you're looking down at Rogue One, which is just, uh, to use, like, just like a soggy Jaffa cake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rogue One is definitely a soggy Jaffa cake. That's the biscuit that doesn't even get to stay in the back of the cupboard. You just put that straight in the bin. Rogue One (laughs) goes in the bin. (laughs) Although I'll be honest, uh, like on the subject of like Kong Skyland, what do you think he was up to? You know, like while like, all the monsters were like you know awakening around like the entire planet, just sort of you know attacking everybody. I think because the Skull Island movie was set in the seventies, I think he just had enough, and he was sitting back like, right lads, it's your turn. I'm not having anything to do with this. Your turn to see of the world. I'll just chill out. He's like, it's not my business. It's your turn. <laughs> you just get, you just get like a random scene in, uh, is it in King of the Monsters where all the monsters are just sort of like attacking everyone on Earth, and then you like cut to School Island, and you're just sort of like relaxing there, like Shrek at the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> in Skull Island, the the storm cleared, so now it's just blue skies. Kong's laying up on the beach. He's <laughs> life. All these monsters ain't got nothing to do with him now. Done its job. <laughs> uh, also to bring up uh, something else uh, uh, like, uh, like from the last film because it does make a lot of references uh, to that film uh, calling it uh, like, uh, the San Francisco attack mm-hmm. I'm wondering where the heck uh, <laughs> I put the notes of like where's Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch when in reality I just mean like <laughs> like, like where was where was I think the Brodies they were called where, where were they oh true I didn't mm. I wasn't really too bothered about them. I didn't really think about that a lot. Right, like, uh, uh, neither, neither was I. It's just that the last film did uh, did so much uh, like on them, you know, like focusing on them, uh, like the events going around them. It just kind of makes you wonder. What happened, yeah. Yeah, what happened? But th- that's what I mean, where I didn't really think about them that much. I feel like in this movie, you can watch this movie and enjoy it without having seen the last one. But if yeah. you kind of... Put that to the back of your mind and think, okay, the 2014 one was kind of like a teaser, but here's the main film. So that's why I didn't really worry too much about what happened or the characters in the last film. I kind of just went, okay, that's a little bit of what's going to happen. Let's enjoy the main event. Yeah. Also, I do think um, when we talk about characters and things like that, memorable characters, the woman that played um, Emma Russell, Vera someone, I can't remember her last name, she was in um, 
she played in some really famous horror films in the Conjuring franchise. And she yeah, played yeah. um Lorraine Warren, who's a really famous um paranormal investigator figure. So I absolutely adore her as uh as an actress. So to see her in like one of my favorite movies again, it's like, oh, this woman is just one of my favorite actresses. I absolutely love her. She did a very uh, convincing job in the role that she was in, even if uh, like her motivations, I was uh, as, as a kind of I, I will admit, I kind of low key rolled my eyes over it, over right. the. Her motivation is uh, basically like, oh, uh, like the uh, 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 like the humans are like the cause of like war, pollution, and stuff like that. Like, oh, like I'm like, gee, where have I seen this before? <laughs> See, I quite like that. I actually enjoyed it. I do tend to like a good villainous character, and to see like a mean character trying to take like a darker twist on how they approach saving the world. I think it was quite interesting. I kind of liked the, oh, she's not going to be selfish and try and like save humanity. She's looking at it as, um, you know, humans have faults. They are causing all this destruction in the world. And she looks at it on a like a natural basis rather than like a human basis and looks at it as, oh, everyone must survive. Like, no, we're the ones ruining it. I quite like that darker twist. It's 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 an it's an edgy motivation to have, but then you realise there is a lot of other like villains in cinema that have had that edgy twist. It's kind of like going into school uh, with like a tattoo, and then realising everybody else has got a tattoo. True, <laughs> true, yeah. Mm. I did like the guy. I can't remember his name, but the guy that plays like the main villain, because just to see uh, him... Charles Dance, I think he was called. Yeah. I, th I think I'm, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because I've not seen it. Uh, was he in Game of Thrones? I have no idea. That's another thing I haven't seen, and I don't intend on watching after hearing about the ending. But yeah, I quite liked him, and um, watching it and then hearing him speak, I kind of get the vibe like, oh. It's a villain with an English accent. That's surprising. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the Brits always causing trouble. Always the Brits. And it's all, and it's always got to be like the posh Brits. It's never like a northerner. It's like you think they are a posh accent. Weren't you raised better? You think you think they do a lot better for being posh. <laughs> Again, like the, yeah, there's like the, there's like never a northern villain uh, like yeah. to come. Uh, to come from like uh, to come from like Britain in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear a Northern Irish villain. I think that'd be class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be quite good. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, that character, the whole uh, point of it is that he's teamed up with uh, Emma, and it isn't revealed at first, but it's revealed later that he's teamed up with Emma in order to uh, release uh, like a bunch of the monsters in order to you know go forward with their, their sort of half human extinction plan. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, Madison, I think the daughter is called. Oh, um, no. um, uh, makes a way uh, with the machine that can uh, like control them in some sense, and then yeah. when uh, and, th and then when Emma goes to like find her, they were like, th "This was also like another scene that sort of like kind of bothered me. It was like it, it could basically just sort of be summed up as uh, we're not going to let you leave, but I need to find my daughter. Okay, we'll let you leave." <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't, and then and then, the, and then that villainous threat doesn't really show up uh, like for the climax, but instead like the post credits scene. Mm -hmm. True. I when you brought up Madison, she's probably the only character I actually have a problem with. Because it took it took her an hour and a half to do anything. And that yeah. was over half the film. And I was just like, why does she I know that they had to have the kind of emotive response to her getting hurt and her getting harmed and her dad was kind of just there to protect her but she didn't actually do anything for half the film she's just standing about doing nothing she takes uh, the Tom Hiddleston Skull Island role yeah exactly exactly that. <laughs> That is a good contrast. She did exactly that. Yeah. I don't really know like much else of uh, like Millie Bobby Brown's filmography besides Stranger Things, which I've only sort of seen clips of. But in this film, I thought she was fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
I um, I find I've seen her in a couple other films, and her acting kind of irritates me. Like I've seen her do interviews and stuff, and she's a wonderful person, but just the way she acts, just oh, I'm not a big fan of her. I, I just I don't think she's it. My, my sister's kind of like that. She says that she can't really sort of explain why, but she just kind of like gets on her nerves. Yeah, there's just something about her that's just just doesn't sit well with me. Mm. I loved the effects in this movie on Godzilla. I think Godzilla himself, because we're talking about characters, Godzilla yeah. is the best character. Oh, he's a brilliant actor. So, oh, brilliant actor, <laughs> 10 out of 10. I, yeah, he is. He deserves an Oscar for that. That was phenomenal acting. I, yeah, Godzilla is it. I really liked um, when, you know, how they, whenever they, the first kind of fight he gets into and you see the spines on his back kind of charge up yeah that to me is just i think that as a concept because it's pacing itself it's kind of like you're watching a loading screen it's kind of like the movie is doing a really good job of letting the the impact kind of warm up but you see it visually through this massive lizard kind of supercharge itself and i thought that was really intense and you're kind of on the edge of your seat like oh my god what's gonna happen and that just blew my mind i thought it was really good i love it i love how we've essentially said that like godzilla like charging up is the best loading screen ever (laughs) yeah yeah. i'm just watching this big funky glow stick charge himself I, I thought it was amazing. Okay. Godzilla just saw that picks like a glow stick off his back and just starts like dancing at a rave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. But the fact that he has to go back and charge up at his gaff, I think was quite nice. <laughs> like he just takes a nap and he's like, Well lads, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so just just needs to take a few minutes then. Now I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Godzilla, one of the uh, one of one of the notes that I put in like all caps is uh, dev visuals though. Oh yeah, them visuals though. That was really good. There was one moment with visuals. I feel um was I find this slightly comedic, but it's meant to be serious. It's where you get a really good image of Godzilla, but then he kind of like. He turns and looks straight into the camera and like the music kind of like builds up and I felt like Godzilla was on the office. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, like, that's those scenes where they'll like quickly turn to the camera and then it'll like zoom in on their face. We had that but with Godzilla and I was like, right, Godzilla is in the office. Speaking of uh, like Godzilla and the visuals, uh, do we want to talk about the other monsters? Because I'm sure you've got plenty of notes on them. Yes. Oh, <laughs> this Let's... is what I'm talking about. This is what I missed in Skull Island. Because Skull Island kind of give you like a little visual of here's a big spider that's got bamboo legs, but you only see it from the underneath. Or the big kind of like buffalo looking one, and you only kind of see it from face on. I think, oh, these monsters are good, but I want to see more. And this movie just gave me everything I needed. I, yeah. oh, this movie does it so well. I've got the names down of uh, like the monsters, you know, where their names are said out loud. For the uh, for the uh, for the giant mammoth and the like giant spider, because their names uh, like weren't said out loud. I I basically just ended up calling them Aragog and Manny. Aragog. <laughs> oh my god. Fair enough. <laughs> Because like Aragog is like the only uh, like giant spider I can think of, and then like Manny, I don't know, because it looks That's... like a mammoth. See, if that was me, I would have thought of Shelob. Shelob, uh... Lord of the... the Rings. Oh, oh yeah, that giant spider. That is that is the giant spider. She has such a good cinematic role. She is the giant spider. I I really liked the um, was it Ghidorah the. King Ghidorah. Yeah, I love that. And Mothra, Mothra as well. I loved her too. She was so sad. I did not like what they did to her, but it had meaning, it had impact, so it was all right, but not good. Honestly, it takes takes a lot for uh, for something, you know, with TV or film to make me cry. Yeah. So, so much so that there's been, like, very, like, rare occasions... uh, where I've cried. It's, it's, it's such a small list I can name it. Uh, so stuff that's made me cry was Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. 
uh, when Yondu died. Mm-hmm. That surprisingly uh, got uh, a tear out of me. Uh, another another film to make me cry, and I don't and I don't know whether I should be proud or embarrassed. Uh, Paddington Two. <laughs> wow, that I did not expect that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like neither did I. Uh, that's yeah. it for like films, but uh, TV shows that made me cry. Uh, the ending to The Mandalorian. Oh right, see that that didn't make me cry, but I I thought it would, but it didn't. I think the only part that I would have cried at was just the fact that it was over. <laughs> <laughs> that may have got a tear. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, but then you read about uh, like the the the, the, the filming season three. Yeah, yeah, that made everything okay. And then another thing to make me uh, cry in TV was in Doctor Who when uh, Peter Capaldi's Doctor gave his last speech. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That was a good speech. Yeah, you really liked Peter Capaldi as well, so that makes sense. Is it? He is. He's my favorite Doctor. Mm. See, I didn't really have much of a connection to him. I thought he was a very good Doctor, but. He just kind of wasn't my thing, but Matt Smith all the way. He was my favorite. I think it was. Uh, I think it was because it was his, his. It's because it was his doctor that I kind of sort of jumped onto like the trend of like regularly watching the show. Yeah. Yeah, because like around that time, uh, like Day of the Doctor had just come out, and I heard a lot of people just sort of like giving a bunch of praise to it. So I thought I'd give it a watch, and thought it was pretty good. At that point, Peter Capaldi came around, so I started watching the show with him, and I just, I, don't, I just really started to connect with him. Yeah, I watched all of the re- well, not all, but a lot of the reruns of the old ones growing up. Yeah. And whenever New Who came along, and it was Christopher Eccleston, I started watching it from around the start of when he was there. But he was only there for one season, so it was kind of short. And then after that, all the changes, I was kind of already emotionally destroyed after all of them. So I was used to it by the time I got to Peter Capaldi. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you can't, it's like you can't break me anymore. I've already had my emotions played with. I've been through enough. I can cope with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I completely forgot where we were talking about this now. We've got the monsters. Doctor we were talking about the monsters. Yes, the monsters. And we were talking about how a giant moth made us cry. Giant moth made us cry, yeah. I think the only few movies I've actually cried in... Oh... I don't, I don't cry in movies. I think Armageddon made me cry. If you've ever seen that, that's the Bruce Willis and uh, Ben Affleck one, right? Oh, I can't remember who's in it. Oh, um, Steve, um, not Steve Tyler. God, Liz Tyler's in it. Oh, um, yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah, that's the one with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. All oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, I'm not very good with all these or oh, big actors, but um, yeah, that movie made me cry, and I can't. Um, the Green Mile made me cry. Yeah. I don't think I can think of any other ones that made me cry. I think that was it. See, I'm more of a horror fan, so horror movies aren't going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to have a look through my um, notes, but my notes are all a mess because I was so focused on watching the movie and I had to kind of remind myself every time, oh, you need to write stuff down. But I just en- I enjoyed this movie so much that it was so hard to even think of what to write down. Honestly, I feel like it was good uh, for, of me to go in with the expectations that I had, having watched uh, the first one as a sort of like teaser, because what I didn't expect from this film was to be genuinely intimidated by Godzilla. Another you know scene where they're in that underwater base, and you can sort of see like Godzilla's uh, like uh, spine sort of glowing in the distance. It's sort of mm-hmm. very everything's very quiet. And then yeah. that scene, and then that scene where he sort of like swims by the base and suddenly everything sort of shakes is very loud. Yeah, that made me genuinely intimidated. <laughs> mm, that yeah, that was that was spooky. Like to that. quote uh, what actually sort of happened when uh, well, I watched that with my family, it was just sort of like very intense, just sort of like watching it glow in the distance. And then when it stopped, uh, both me and my sister just kind of sighed. I said I wasn't tense, and then Godzilla just swam by. <laughs> I didn't expect a jump scare from Godzilla, but he got me. He got he got me as well. I really enjoyed the part where they were kind of in his house. Well, um, uh, was it Surizawa? I'm probably butchering. Yeah, 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 yeah. Surizawa, uh, played by uh, Ken Watanabe, I think it is. 
nice whenever he was whenever he ventured into Godzilla's home and Godzilla kind of like looks at him and you know whenever he touches him um the whole time I was watching that I was thinking like he blows up Godzilla's home and he like, nukes the place right and then Godzilla suddenly shows up and then fights for the humans if that was me if you're gonna nuke someone's home you're gonna be pissed like, Godzilla was like Okay, you charged me up, but you'd be livid if you nuked his gaff. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, humans are all right, but you did destroy my house. If someone nuked my house, I'd be mad. Maybe that, maybe that's what's uh, causing him to like hurt people. We don't know why in Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> we it's because we blew we blew up his house. That's why. <laughs> yeah, the set design was so nice. The, it was a beautiful under underwater kind of mysterious ancient looking almost like a temple they had more of that like religious imagery with like the staircase like stairway to heaven to godzilla um i i picked up so much religious imagery in that film it made me so happy i love stuff like that but anyway it was so nice and so beautiful and then he just nuked the place i was like why he has no care for architectural design. Which I feel like had to be done in order to because because Godzilla was dying. He he had to, he had just been hit by what was it an, an oxygen destroyer or something. Yeah. <laughs> he needed he needed a revive. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, he needed he needed a revive. He needed a revive from uh, Sarazawa. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's that, that's that, that's why I did like the hand thing. Just sort of like. Sort yeah. of, so, You're still playing Dark Souls on your channel, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm still playing Dark Souls on my channel, yeah. yeah. They just gave Godzilla an Estes flask and was like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy yourself. <laughs> just get the little like victory achieved when he like eats like Ghidorah's head. <laughs> that would be amazing if they actually incorporated anything from Dark Souls into, into Godzilla. That would make me ten times more happy with the movies. Like even though I'm already happy with them, just add that and I'd be I'd be happy. That'd be class. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's like a lovely you said like earlier, like this is like the perfect film. You have like no bad notes on it, but then you see like, but just add Dark Souls to it. <laughs> oh, tell about anything. Dark Souls makes anything better, and then I'd be happy and I'd be all right. <laughs> To talk more about uh, like the emotions that I was uh, feeling from this, uh, the final battle, mm -hmm. I feel like I was like genuinely uh, like shaking with like excitement, uh, like my heart was like pounding out my chest, and I've never really got that uh, from uh, action films. Being honest, like I've definitely been engaged from them, uh, uh, been engaged with them. But I feel like the closest I've ever had to like being like emotionally sort of engaged with uh, what's going on was probably. Uh, that when I went to see the midnight premiere of, of Avengers Endgame. Oh yeah, I feel like everyone kind of got that sense from Endgame though. Endgame was such a, like oh, yeah. it's just a whirlwind of emotions. It kind of got everybody. But yeah. yeah, I understand what you mean. Which I feel like Endgame is also like another film uh, that's a discussion for another day because oh, there's there's so much to talk about with that film. Mm -hmm. That's a rant for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, I was like shaking with uh, like excitement watching the film. Yeah, whenever I first saw King of the Monsters, I saw it in cinemas. So yeah. to see that on the big screen, surround sound, the, the roars are deafening. Uh, it, was, it was an experience in itself. I feel like I didn't watch the movie, I experienced it. I kind of like, you feel it inside. Oh, not to be dramatic or anything, but that's how I felt. <laughs> that's all right. I, 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 I totally get it. Um, I'm very, I'm very authentic. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to films, I always try and experience them in their in their best viewing possible. Definitely, yeah. It's what they've been created yeah. for, I think. It's, yeah, which is yeah. kind of why I get uh, sort. Of, which is kind of why I sort of like uh, I, I get very very irritated where particularly because of like what all that's been going on with COVID, a lot of yeah. films meant for cinema just get pushed on streaming services. That's what really irritates me. Definitely. The, if, like like these the, like these were built to be cinema experiences, yeah. and now you're just putting it into somewhere where people have like the ability to pause or get distracted from that takeaway that they ordered. Exactly, I definitely feel that. If Godzilla versus Kong gets released before cinemas are open, I will be livid. I think I Are they getting released on cinema and streaming services at the same time? <laughs> mm. 
It's all right. It's, it's, it's all right. It's, it's like the true fans will go and see it in cinema. <laughs> the, pe the peasants will just watch it on HBO Max. <laughs> Get a risk, risk COVID to go and see Godzilla. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like it's worth it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Control the virus, stay at home. Unless Godzilla vs. Kong is coming out in cinemas, then risk it. <laughs> And then Boris saying, "Go see the film, you know, to help you know, you know, to help out thing." Where it was like, <laughs> "Go eat out to help the businesses, but don't go out. But go see the film to help the cinemas. But don't see the film. <laughs> go to the cinema if you can't, but don't go to the cinema if you can." <laughs> and then they go and blame everyone that went to see the cinemas, like they did with everyone that went to eat out to help out. Not blame it all on them. Not to mention the, uh, like around the time uh, last year when it was slightly mentioned that uh, the lockdown laws were going to be uh, lifted, everybody just went to the went to the beach. Oh yeah, yeah, that was awful. Mm. Kind of waiting for the laws to get better here because in Northern Ireland we have some like different restrictions and stuff. So, oh, I hope that things are lifted by the time that this movie comes out. I, I really hope so as well. People deserve to experience this in cinema. Definitely. It's worth it. It's so, so worth it. Mm. I really liked the characters in this one because I had so much of a problem with the characters in Skull Island. I liked, I remember I mentioned about how the cast was so big that they could have cut it down and focused on a few characters instead of a lot. But in yeah. this, I think, like, I think the cast doubled from, from Skull Island. But everyone still had the right amount of screen time. Like there was that woman that was a pilot that got hurt. You actually cared about her, but you only saw her a handful of times. A lot of the scientists, a lot of the people that got killed by like the, the fights that were going on, you actually cared about them. And the the um the, the Colonel Foster, the woman, I really really enjoyed her. I thought like to see a really strong woman of color in like a lead role in a film, I thought it was really good. Even though she wasn't one of the main characters, she was still a strong leader and you actually cared a lot about her. I think the development in this and the focus on a diverse cast was a lot better than Skull Island. Yeah, uh, I definitely say that like uh, the other characters in this, I definitely cared a lot more uh, uh, the like the uh, the characters in Skull Island and especially uh, like the characters like compared to the last film, even though it is kind of obvious you know like which characters like take priority over others, I did at least feel so uh, sort of at least okay I I, I like this person even yeah. if their role was like very sort of like minuscule which given how many uh, like characters there were. Mm. And, and I think the film has the advantage of, as you said, uh, being uh, like a sequel to like the last one, because from the last one, because it was kind of a teaser, it was also the first time I feel like the humans were dealing uh, with this kind of like level of threat, so they didn't really know what to do. Whereas with this one, it's like five years later, it's like, no, we're prepared for this. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I feel like because they had the advantage of uh, like being prepared for it, we didn't have to sit through a bunch of uh, we need to investigate what this monster's going to do or we need to investigate what this monster's going about and taking yeah. up a large chunk of time. Yeah. I also feel this movie was such a big win for me because we had strong female characters. No one had to take their clothes off. No one got wet and their clothes didn't turn see-through. And I loved it. It was so much better than Skull Island. I mean, technically, everybody gets wet in the final flight because it's raining. Yeah, but no <laughs> one's clothes get see-through. And I loved that. And that was very good. <laughs> it just irritates me in movies. I really enjoyed this one for not having it. Yeah. I've just realised uh, earlier when we were uh, talking about uh, the monsters, we mentioned uh, King Ghidorah and uh, uh, Mothra. We, we didn't mention Rodan. Oh, Rodan, yeah. I really, really liked Rodan because they made him look like he was actually from the habitat that he came out of. Because instead of having like a dragon or looking more scaly or more kind of like lizard-like, they actually made him quite crusty and he looked burnt and he was kind of flaking. I think the, the design on that was a lot better. Instead of having like the wings where they looked more like wings, they actually looked like solid rock and they were really like chunky and looked really awkward. Like whenever he was flying around next to um, Mothra, 
you actually saw a, a really really stark contrast in the car and the design of them and I thought that's a really good monster where it's not based off like actual animals it doesn't look animalistic it actually looks like a monster and I thought that was really good because they related him a lot more to the characteristic of being like the fire demon was it yeah they made him look like crispy and burnt and a little bit singed and I thought that was very good yeah the uh, what uh, the, the one thing that I can really appreciate about Oro Dad is, do you remember? Uh, la- I, 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 do you remember la- uh, last week when we were discussing uh, Skull Island? How I basically said uh, how the film was able to show like the absolute size of the monsters, like the absolute size of the lads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The absolute size of the boys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like uh, Rodan. I feel like was the most uh, sort of emphasized and sort of like size. Like obviously, you know, Godzilla and King Ghidorah are like miles bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I I really loved uh, the scene where he was introduced and uh, the what was the name of the island he was on? It was he had a volcano on it, but I forget the name of the island it was on. But you know what I'm on about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like when he first like uh, when he first like took off, and merely the energy of him like taking off and flying into the ocean took out yeah. the entire village. I was like, the, the size of him. <laughs> I I love the sounds that um, Ghidorah makes as well because they're not really animalistic as well. They don't sound like a roar or like a screech or whatever. It was really, oh, it was like really deep, like rumble, and it sounded like like he was growling. And then whenever the like, the fire built up in each of the necks, it came out like a scream. It was yeah. really, really like, it was really creepy. It actually sounded like a demon, like a monster, not like some, you know, they've taken an animalistic sound and made him sound like a, a pre-existing animal. They made him sound completely unique, and I thought that was really, really creepy. Which, uh, if we're talking about uh, like the sound design of these monsters, every single one of the monsters that's in these films with their cries is fantastic. Oh yeah, definitely. I love the point where after Mothra, kind of like, you know, you know what happens in Mothra, like w- once she gets taken down and like yeah. the, the kind of dust kind of settles onto Godzilla and it's like, oh, he absorbed a bit of that power. Um, once he gets up and, you know, he like, um, whenever he goes to attack the um, nuclear Gorg- Godzilla, yeah, nuclear Godzilla, that's the one. Nuclear Godzilla. He makes a sound when he, whenever he is like breathing out that like nuclear fire or whatever it is, all that stuff to take him down. That scream is the same sound that Mothra made. Is this the same one and- Mothra used? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Not to mention, you can like sort of like see a sort of like brief reflection of his like wings in the yeah. explosion. Her <laughs> wings, I should say, her wings. I thought that sound was really good because the Godzilla roar itself is like it it will shake you like you're sitting there like whoa that's a really deep scary scary roar and it's really intense it's iconic but to hear him make that noise it was like whoa that really adds impact to the sacrifice that was made and I thought yeah. that was a really really nice little sound detail because like Godzilla's like the king of the monsters and then like Mothra's like the queen yeah oh that was so sad I keep thinking about Mothra and I <laughs> Is it, yeah, it, it, it probably like messed uh, um, my sister and my mum up watching it, and it did a little bit uh, with me as well. Which, again, yeah. as I said earlier, is very hard to is a very hard emotion to get out of me in films. Definitely, I'm not one for crying in movies, but that that shook me. I didn't I didn't cry, but it it definitely tugged on a heartstring. Yeah, which which actually which actually reminds me. Uh, uh, you know how uh, like Rodan uh, got uh, like stabbed through the chest. Yes. And uh, then basically resulted to every Disney villain ever and like fell into like a cloud of dust. <laughs> <laughs> you had a Disney exit. <laughs> but, but that's it though. Like it wasn't really an exit because like after the fight he's still there. Yeah, he got he got back up again. Yeah. Yeah, and I see him like uh, like bowing down to Godzilla, and I'm thinking <laughs> Godzilla's got him to respect him. But Rodan just killed his queen. True, true, yeah. But if I feel like if Godzilla now being king of the monsters is kind of you know all these monsters bow down to him, and we're gonna have him and King Kong scrap, does this mean he's disrespecting his king? Is this what's going on here? I don't know. It's just, I feel like there's a situation. I feel like there would have been like something to like sort of like get. Uh, you know his uh, his revenge on Mothra like towards uh, Rodan, considering you know Rodan was viciously attacking her. 
maybe like maybe, maybe like every single one of the monsters just sort of like just sort of like starts to walk away and then Rodan's about to like fly with but then Godzilla is like points and says, No, you're tidying this up. <laughs> Get back here. <laughs> Finish him. <laughs> I love watching the fights in the water because if you remember from the last episode, we had who's going to win in King Kong versus Godzilla. And my bet's on Godzilla, but watching him fight in water makes that even stronger. Because King Kong is going to have nothing on Godzilla if Godzilla's in the water. King Kong better stay out the water if he wants to live. Unless he does, like, I don't know, maybe like a cannonball or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Godzilla will just, like, if he ever comes near him, he'll just take one smell from King Kong and leave. <laughs> he won't be near that. <laughs> Oh, I keep thinking about that now every time I think about King um, Kong Skull Island is that idea that we brought up last time about how bad does King Kong smell. <laughs> I think where Godzilla's walking around with like the radiation coming out of him, he's melting like steel beams and stuff, he's melting buildings. I feel like Godzilla does that, but it's just the stench of him. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's, 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 it's like instead of like everything burning, everything's just sort of like uh, wilting. Yeah, it's withering away. <laughs> Wither, withering away. <laughs> oh, it's just a grim concept. <laughs> One th- uh, uh, because I mentioned earlier about uh, how a problem that I had with it was the uh, Charles Dance's character just sort of like disappearing and then just sort of reappearing at the post-credits sequence. Yeah. In mm-hmm. uh, answering that question again, uh, they build up the story around the device called the Okra, I think it is. Orca, yeah. Uh, the Orca. Yeah, and they basically explain, and, and they go to the length of explaining this is a device that, under the right circumstances, can control these titans. And mm-hmm. uh, then uh, Charles Dance's character gets hold of it, and they're trying to use it to uh, like awaken uh, like a bunch of other monsters. Yeah. Madison steals it right under their nose. <laughs> like, 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 did, like, did. Like, did this man even try to guard it? <laughs> this, this incredibly useful device capable of controlling literal godly beings that have been here for thousands of years and you leave the room unguarded so that Eleven from Stranger Things can take it. (laughs) (laughs) She had to be useful at some point, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she had to be, like, useful at some point, but if she had to, like, I don't know, like, rugby tackle a guard or something, anything that shows that he's at least trying to guard it. That would have made her character ten times better, I think. If we had watched her body slam like a six foot man, that would have been so much better. <laughs> that's like that's like when you're like walking through your front door and you like leave the keys uh, like the front of the keyhole outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah, I didn't even notice that point. That's a really good point. <laughs> um, like a. For a villain, I really do hope they flesh out his character more in the next one. Because yeah. watching that end scene, I'm really hyped for because he has like obviously you saw the head of Monster Zero of Ghidorah. The and, one that Godzilla tore off. Yes. And I feel like are they gonna try and like take the genes and take the DNA and stuff from him and try and like genetically modify like his like stuff into another creature and kind of make it a different creature. But my idea is, and I hope I hope they do this, is they just turn him into a mecha. They just take the head, put it on a robot body, make some kind of like mass produced creature and have them just fight Godzilla. Because he's he's all like sciencey and technical and I feel like they're not gonna Jurassic Park it where they take the DNA and make super monsters out of this one little bit of dna i hope that they just soup it up armor it out make it like impenetrable and then get godzilla to figure out how to kill it yeah but we gotta we gotta make sure that that's in like a separate godzilla film but not godzilla versus kong because we don't want godzilla and kong to be fighting for like eight minutes then suddenly that mecha shows up and then rodan appears to like fight alongside them godzilla's like is he with you and then god and then kong's like i thought he was with you and then they all start fighting together Godzilla versus Kong versus Rodan versus big, big mech monster. I just want to see some souped up armored monster. Like if the people, if the humans are going to try and fight alongside them, soup them up and make them just amazing. I want to see these awesome, like robotic kind of half monster things. I think that would be so cool. 
Maybe that's just my love of monster movies and I want to see epic battles. It's it's gonna be as a monster that size is gonna be particularly if it's like made of metal is gonna be incredibly heavy. Like maybe like, just like maybe like that's how it wins. Like maybe that's maybe that's how like Godzilla and like Kong are able to like beat it. Like it just take the the mecha just takes one step, gets stuck in the ground because it's so heavy, and then they just sort of like pound on him while he's like stuck in one place. One step, and his battery's dead. <laughs> Oh no, we'll charge him up, let's nuke him. I feel like that is... Duracell batteries charges this mecha much longer than regular batteries, but exactly how much longer? <laughs> Sliding in that, pro that product placement. I feel like that is Godzilla's, like, apart from sh like, shooting nuclear waste out of his mouth, I feel like his one like, strength is just the fact that he is massive, like, he's a thick boy. <laughs> he, he's like, he is chunky he's huge in this movie he's massive <laughs> I, I like that <laughs> never thought I'd be never thought I'd be hearing those words about Godzilla is <laughs> <laughs> like yeah I'm king of the monsters and everyone's like he a chunky boy <laughs> I mean, as I've been saying that though in the, in the scene where he's like resurrected and then like fires his like nuclear breath into the sky there's like a like clear shot of him and you can like clearly see his like stomach poking out <laughs> so maybe that's what they were going for <laughs> there's just so I feel like in this episode we're talking a lot more about all this good stuff and it's a lot more like it's, it's happy whereas the last one was like oh king kong got his house nuked and then you know they give it two stars on TripAdvisor. he wasn't happy so he fought some monsters and then that was kind of it but this one is it's, it's a lot better than you know decent island kong decent island or whatever meh island <laughs> Kong, pretty okay island. Big monkey. But the, yeah, this one, I think, there's a lot more to talk about. I'm a lot more, I'm a lot more jazz for this one. <laughs> yeah, there's... There's a, there's a lot more to there's a lot more to talk about because there's a lot more monsters and also like uh, like a lot more fights, which I think proves my point in the fact that a film could be just as engaging with more monster fights. Mm, yeah. <laughs> You're definitely right on that one. Yeah. Mm. I look at it in the same way that I look at uh, like the like Star Wars prequels and how they spend a lot of the time talking about, you know, politics. I love that about it. I love the Star Wars prequels. I, I'm I'm not in the same boat on that. I felt that that uh, I just kind of like dragged. It's like nobody goes to see a Star Wars film to get E.T. in court for tax evasion. <laughs> you go to see it for Star Wars fights. <laughs> I want to see Jar Jar Binks pulled up in court for war crimes. <laughs> the concept where he's evil, I want to see him doing some dodgy deeds and then he's been pulled up in court. Misa supplying, Misa supplying weapons to the enemy. <laughs> Turns out he's just like Jabba the Hutt's arms runner and he's just been smuggling them across planet to planet. So, I have very controversial thoughts on the prequels. Like, What's your favourite Star Wars movie? Oh, favorite Star Wars movie. Um, I'm gonna be boring and say Episode Four, mm, mostly nice. because like I can see that what films like Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi do to like improve mm -hmm. uh, like the effects on it, but with Episode yeah. Four. It's mainly a technical side because I love hearing a bunch of like uh, behind the scenes info and uh, like how they did this and how George Lucas literally pushed himself to the limit in order oh, yeah. to like get that film made. Mm -hmm. Ooh. See, and also because I'm a big fan of Obi Wan. True, true. Obi Wan's good. My favorite is Phantom Menace. You can tell that I was kind of like dodgy to say that. <laughs> No, it's alright. Uh, Phantom Menace is. Uh, I, 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 I feel like I feel like in some aspects, uh, like where it uh, where it kind of like maybe sort of isn't my favorite. I can say that maybe it's like so bad it's good. That, that's I think, where I stand on it. If you if you haven't watched the original trilogy first, and you're going into starting from the start from episode one, Phantom Menace. If you watch that as a opening to a franchise, I think it is amazing. The the world building, the character building, the setup, everything I think is perfect. I also think, well, my favorite characters are Qui Gon and um, Darth Maul. 
So I absolutely adored that movie. Darth Maul was pretty cool, I'll admit. Like the five minute fight scene with like him at the end is absolutely phenomenal. I, that fight scene would have been so much better because in the original cut, they he was a, tra- a trained acrobat. So he was doing like backflips and like the splits and like bouncing off the walls. And then George Lucas was like, nah, calm it down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> they had to cut it all, but that would have been so good to see. But I'm a really big fan of like all the lore to all the Star Wars movies. So hearing about what happened to Darth Maul and his kind of story arc after that movie, I think made me love it a bit more so i just i have a mad thing about that movie i love it that is fair enough like as you said if you're like watching it as like the like start of like a sort of a, as, as, as the start of like the universe of star wars then i feel like it'll be solid the problem is is that it wasn't released that way yeah <laughs> Like, pe- like people go people presumably uh, like went from like return of the jedi which that came out in 1983 and then mm-hmm. it wasn't until about 16 years and then the mm-hmm. film that they get is about space politics i loved it i love space politics guitar politics is is great i loved it i don't i don't know like given the like i mainly go uh to like watch films to normally sort of like you know, for escapism to forget, uh, you know, what's all that's going on, like considering the, how our country is very overrun by politics. <laughs> when I see that incorporated into Star Wars, I'm like, oh, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I feel like I should be like that because um, the country that I'm in is very, very political. So I feel like I should be like that, but maybe it's just been ingrained in me that I have to be, you know, enjoying politics and interested in politics. No, I like it. I thought it was really good. I feel like we've strayed incredibly off the path. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, strayed. We've lost the path. The path no longer exists. <laughs> um, thinking about it and uh, looking over like the notes, I think we've. Uh, I, I've covered everything that I want to in my notes. Is there anything in your notes that you'd yeah. like to discuss? No, mine was just, I don't know, all my notes are just gushing about how great the movie is, so <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> right, uh, uh, well, we could end it with uh, uh, like final thoughts. Final thoughts? Um, yeah. Go watch the movie. If you've seen it, go watch it again. <laughs> if you've watched it again recently, go watch it again. Watching it. <laughs> Okay, once you get till the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, rerun the movie every day. It's just that good. Um, and I don't know what else to say about it apart from I loved it. Godzilla's gonna absolutely destroy King Kong. And we'll see. We'll see. I, and I, ooh, I can't wait to see it. I disagree. I think he will, and I can't wait to see it. And it's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll come back on here, and I will say why well, I, I was right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, 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 in the, I'm in the same uh, mindset as I was uh, like, uh, like before this. Uh, this is the Godzilla film that everybody should watch. Yeah. Like obviously, you know, like obviously, as I mentioned before, he has he has a reputation from the films that uh, that started all the way in the like fifties and rightfully uh, like rightfully so. But this is peak Godzilla territory, I think. I like this scene where one of the guys in the helicopter like ejects from the helicopter but ejects right into Ghidorah's mouth <laughs> oh my oh my sister burst into laughter at that scene <laughs> I love that scene that was really good I think that would be me in an action movie I'm the person trying to see if myself accidentally like end, end me <laughs> <laughs> you just get the shot of like right before you're about to go into Rodan's mouth you just get the to be continued meme <laughs> No, it, it just stops. It's just a freeze frame of me almost going into the mouth and it's that meme where it's like, at this moment, Ray knew <laughs> she messed up. <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I got into this situation. <laughs> and then the film's all about you and like building up to like how you got into the military to fight giant titans. <laughs> oh, that would be good. That would be good. I don't think I'll blend in very well trying to get into the military to see me running around with bright pink hair and it wouldn't it wouldn't blend too well <laughs> or blue hairs you'll have in a in a few days oh it's all a process <laughs> we'll see <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah i feel like 
feel, I, I feel like we've got enough uh, like notes on here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. We've been going on for about an hour and fourteen minutes in in the context of the recording. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've been discussing about as long as it took Godzilla to appear in the first one. Ooh, that's <laughs> going on for about as long as it took Millie Bobby Brown to do something in yeah, the film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in that context, I think it's a like, good place uh, to end it. So thanks yeah. again for joining me for this, Ray. Thank you very much for having me again. Uh, uh, yeah, this has been uh, very fun, and I will uh, see you guys uh, for, uh, for next week's episode. This has been Luke Carruthers recording for Escaping Through the Lens. <laughs>